I am going to uh, lead us in our scripture reading this morning, and we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 36. What I'm going to do this morning is we're actually going to jump through a lot of chapter 10, but I'm not going to read all of it, so I'm just going to read a few selections, and, and then we're going to talk about them as we go. But this is Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe you feel that way right now. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And this is the beginning of chapter 10. He called to them his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles were these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, etc., etc. And it goes on to list the 12, including Judas Iscariot. And we'll get back to him in a minute. Then you get two chunks here. The first is Jesus' instructions to them as they head to Israel. And then the second section is sort of a larger talk about as Christians head out into the world and witness um, to the whole world. But I want to read, this is chapter 10, starting up now in verse 5. He says, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Jumping down to verse 16, he talks about persecution. He says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you will say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And then he goes on into verse 26, chapter 10, 26. He says, have no fear of them. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that is not will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my father in heaven. And at the very end of this sort of section, this larger teaching section that Jesus does about witness and being disciples, I want to end on verse 38, 39, chapter 10. He says, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, it's a larger section of text. But I want to draw a couple things to our attention as we head into this passage. So let's just open in prayer. As we head to the word, Father, we thank you that your word is true and faithful. Father, that we have a, a clear direction about the way we are called to live as your followers. 
And Lord, perhaps especially during this time with this pandemic going on, Lord, we are reminded of our need of you, our need to look to you, of the reality of the brokenness of our world. And Lord, today we as disciples of you, Jesus, want to be uh, challenged. We want to be reminded and encouraged again from your word, what you call us to. Lord, there's people here today that are watching this who are hurting, who are afraid. And even as we talk about the witness that you call us to as Christians, I pray that you would be encouraging us, that you are with us and you are faithful, that we no longer need to live in fear or anxiety. Lord, we can give these to you and navigate them with you. And so, Jesus, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you would speak and that you would uh, strengthen our hearts, Father, that you would show us how we're to live. We ask these things in your name. Amen. It's uh, it's easy with the COVID-19 virus on right now. It's easy to see how broken we are, how broken our world is. And I'm reminded again of the need we have for someone to come from outside and set things right. We don't have to look very far to see the brokenness of our world, to see especially disease at this point, but also war and evil. This is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we've gotten ourselves into brokenness, into the brokenness of humanity is through what the Bible calls sin. And sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And this leads to brokenness. And that brokenness eventually leads to death that separates us from God. And here's the the good news is that God doesn't want us to stay in our brokenness. He's made a rescue plan. He's made a way out. And he's done that through Jesus. Jesus actually comes into our brokenness and he takes the death that we deserve because of our sin and dies on a cross for you and for me. Three days later, he rose again from the grave to bring us out of brokenness. And we, we might try all sorts of things to try and get ourselves out of brokenness. Some of us pursue education. Some of us pursue relationships or we get caught up in our status or uh, in how we do our work. Or some of us go down the road of, of maybe drugs or alcohol. We try and find something to sort of uh, deal with the, the brokenness that we all sense in our hearts. But the only way out of this is Jesus. It's as we turn from sin and recognize that Jesus died on the cross for me because he loves me, that we can leave the brokenness behind and grow in a relationship with God and begin to pursue a life with God. And more than that, as as we begin to grow in who we are in God, who we are in Jesus, as we leave the brokenness behind and find ourselves in Christ, he then calls us to go and to go out into the world and to share what's happened in our hearts and in our lives with others. And so there's there's really two types of people in the world. There's those that are still living in brokenness, and there's those that are pursuing a life with Jesus. And perhaps the most important question you can ask with your life is, am I still living in brokenness, or am I seeking to pursue Jesus? It's crucial, friends, especially at a time like this, Uh, where we're so aware of the brokenness. We're so aware that uh, we are not self-sufficient, that sort of the carpet can get pulled out from under our legs at any moment. And suddenly our kids are not in school and suddenly we can't gather in huge groups, right? And, And the world as we know it kind of pulls up short. 
and we realize I'm in need of someone to deal the brokenness, not just in this world, but in my life as well. And I encourage you this morning, if you've never done so, to turn your hearts to Jesus and pursue the life that God has for you. God loves you, and he loves you especially during this time. And I want to talk this morning, again, our, our Bible passage is a lot about going. I want to talk about what does it mean that as we become disciples of Jesus, to be called to, to demonstrate and to live out his character in Christian mission. How do we do that, especially when we can't gather in groups over five people, right? How do we love our neighbors well when we're kind of stuck at home and trying to social distance from everybody? How do we do that? So I want to talk about um, what we're calling is missional discipleship, missional discipleship. When we hear the word mission, we often think of, of leaving, like going somewhere geographically, um, but that's not always the case. The aim here is to live with a sort of um, generous boldness, a gentleness to live out the mission of God with the people who are directly in front of us. I remember being at a at a ACOP retreat conference in the fall, and I was told by by one of our leaders, uh, he was asking about our kids. And this is a guy who who heads up missions and 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 outreach and and uh, reaching out to un- unreached people groups with the gospel all over the world. And uh, I remember struggling as a sort of young adult when I was in college. There was so much talk of mission and kind of going out and, and you know, sort of putting it all out there and leaving. I just remember feeling back then this sense of like, is that for me? Am I, if I don't go, does that mean I'm not a good Christian or something, right? And, I, and the Lord helped me to kind of work through that. And I always felt more of a call to to kind of settle in a place and love the people well in sort of the church family. And the Lord's kind of affirmed that over my life in terms of pastoral calling. But just last fall, um, here I am being faced by kind of the main missions dude. And he said, you know what? The main place of your discipleship is your family. He said, it's your kids. They're the people that you're called to minister to right now in this season of your life. And that was so affirming for what God had done in my life earlier to recognize I don't need to go somewhere. I don't need to go to, I don't need to, go to Africa to be uh, on mission for God. I don't need to go to an unreached people group. I can live my life for Jesus where I've been planted, which is here in Dryden, but also in this family with these, with these children he's given me. This is where I'm called to live my Christian witness, first and foremost, is how I relate to my wife, how I relate to my kids. If I'm not doing that well, um, then I don't need to go out trying to, try to reach a whole bunch of other people. I need to try and, and live uh, well and for God right here with the people right in front of me. And so when I talk about missional discipleship, this is about how we live our lives, how we're a light for Christ, how we witness to him, uh, even here at home, and perhaps especially while we're kind of tr- more trapped indoors, it seems, uh, during COVID-19. This is a life, we're talking about a, a missional discipleship, a life that's rooted in Jesus, rooted in prayer and in worship, that then cultivates my heart, shapes my heart, that then can spill out in a way that I love other people. And so we, we've last few weeks, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And so now we're moving from the Lord's Prayer to the Lord's Mission, We've, we've spent time learning who is God, what's his mission in the world, how do, I, how do I love him, how do I grow in him, and now Jesus is calling us to take that and live it out in our everyday life. And it starts right here in Matthew chapter 9, 36 to 38 to 39, and I want to just, uh, 38, and again, I want to just read this little chunk, the first section we read again, 
says, when he, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So what's the first thing we notice here is that Jesus looks out at the crowds and he has compassion for them. And God's compassion is more than just sort of God feeling sorry for them. It's God being willing to identify with their experience, to enter into our brokenness and actually participate in our humanity. And so filled with compassion for the lost, what does Jesus say? He says, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out Workers, And here we have, in essence, the vision for the church. The harvest is plentiful. There's people longing to know who God is. And we need a fresh vision to reach out to the lost, even in our community. It's not just Jesus' job or the paid pastor's job or the ministry leader's job, but it's the, it's the work of the whole people of God to engage in reaching out and discipling and leading others to Christ. It's Jesus that saves us. We don't save people. Uh, We don't save souls. Jesus saves. But we uh, do our lives point people to Christ. And that means learning to put aside my self-interest as I embrace what God calls me to do with my life. And that's really hard because I have a lot of things that I would like to do with my life. So this is a matter of saying, Jesus, I want to trust you and follow you and recognize as I lay my life down in serving you, I'm actually gaining the life that I'm trying to seek on my own. It's actually in you that I find the hope and the joy and the meaning that I want in life. Sometimes, though, we we come to God and we want to be kind of healed and rescued and blessed. Like we want all the good things that God has for us, but we don't actually want to relinquish control of our lives. And I think actually this COVID-19 virus is a good reminder. It's a good exercise in learning how little we do have control of, right? Like there's certain areas in our lives that are just kind of out of our hands. And so we can either respond by becoming really fearful or angry about that, or we can learn to sort of give that up and turn to Jesus. And so the call to mission as Jesus' disciples, it causes us to examine our hearts. What's actually going on there? And Jesus helps us to receive really receive a new vision to see the people around us, to see the crowds. And Jesus' words here are that the people are lost without a shepherd. And so he passes the vision on to us. Do we see people as God sees them? Pastor Josh White from Door of Hope Church in Portland, he put it this way. He says, Jesus' vision, what he sees in the people, leads to a compassion So there's vision that leads to compassion. And then that compassion leads to intercession. So he sees the people, he has compassion on them. Then he says, ask the Lord of the harvest. So we see folks, we recognize the brokenness and the needs in our world and in our lives. This should cause us to want to pray and give it to God. But then, so the vision turns to compassion, which then turns to intercession, but then turns to action. We actually do something about it. And we ask God to show us what he's calling us to do about it. And so we can be praying. This is so important for us, even as a church. Jesus, give me your vision. Give me compassion for my neighbors and for my city. And help me to seek your face 
and help me to then live out what you call me to do. If we are if we are filled with vision and compassion, but we don't seek the face of Christ, and we just kind of go out and start doing stuff, we're just kind of spiritually busy without being rooted in Jesus. And that's actually probably kind of dangerous. We could also be have a vision and compassion for people and be interceding and seeking God, but never actually act on it, which would make us um, very spiritual seeming, but very turned inward, right? And so the call is not to just be outward focused or just be inward focused, but to be both. So vision to compassion, to intercession, to action. What's interesting is Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time praying. He's not even praying about it. He immediately turns around and commissions the disciples to go be the laborers in the harvest. And he sends them out. He chooses them. Look at chapter 10. He calls to him his 12 disciples. And what does he do? He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Then it names the 12. Jesus calls us to himself in the same way. He calls us as we are. I mean, look at these these guys. These are regular people, right? God is calling men and women and boys and girls to himself to live out the kingdom of God. And God has chosen you. He's called you to be part of that, to be part of his mission in the world. He calls us to bring forth his purposes. And we see that all through the Bible. God chooses someone to bring forth his purposes. You see that in Abraham. You see that all through the nation of Israel. You see that in Jesus being called and chosen to then live out and extend God's purposes. And so we need to ask, how has God called me? How has God chosen me to extend his kingdom and to live out his life? where he's planted me, here in Dryden, especially during this time. How do I shine the light of Jesus and care well for them, to my neighbors and to my friends and my coworkers during during this? And that's maybe going to look different for different ones of us, but it's worth asking, God, how do I, how are you calling me to live out a love for my neighbors during this? And not just during this, eventually it will pass, but in all of my life, what are you calling me to? The extraordinary good news that God has invaded our brokenness and come to rescue us is entrusted to you and me to pass on to others. Now, notice something. I I mentioned it when we were reading in in verse 4 of chapter 10. Judas is included in the group of 12, right? And we might need to kind of pause there for a moment. Judas is also called to live out the mission of God. But he has a choice. So calling, being called by God, being chosen by God, doesn't automatically mean that we bend our knee. It doesn't automatically transform my heart. There's a possibility to refuse to submit to the Lordship of Christ. So there's almost a tension here between God's sovereign saving grace and our human free agency to choose to live, to choose who will follow, to choose whether to bow the knee or not. We might think I want to be a Christian so long as it feels good and God blesses me and I'm happy, right? That's great. Uh, it's another thing to say, I'm going to follow Jesus even when it's difficult. And Jesus is pretty clear here in this passage that there is difficulty involved in the Christian life. And that's not something to scare us, but it is something for us to be aware of and to consider. Jesus seems to not have much of a problem with pointing out to people 
you know, if you are you willing to lay it down and follow me? And some people turn away from that. And Jesus is actually seems okay with that. His desires that none would perish, but he wants you to choose. He's not going to twist your arm to make you follow him. He wants you to choose to follow him. In the same way, I don't want to twist my arm to make my wife love me. I want her to choose to love me. If I twisted her arm to make her love me, it wouldn't be love, right? I wouldn't be loving her and she would feel manipulated to love me. It doesn't work, right? In the same way, when my kids are older, I want them to choose to want to love me. And part of that is growing that in them, uh, a tenderness and a life and a relationship in them early on. So Jesus sends these guys out, but they have the choice to follow or not. And he sends them out with a kind of a vitality and an activity in life to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick. So there's words and actions. And the first chunk here is, again, more to Israel. But the next chunk, often the church has sort of applied to herself through the centuries. And the theme I want to emphasize, though, is this. Jesus is still sending us. He's still giving authority, and he's still calling us to proclaim and to live out the gospel. And he calls us to communicate who he is, to speak the truth of who he is, and to preach the word and live a life that demonstrates who Jesus is to our neighbors. And then verse 16 and onward tells us what we can expect. He says, um, be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And most people don't really have much of a clue what that means. But, <laughs> but I take it to mean something of, Go with a, don't go sort of willy-nilly into Christian mission. Go thoughtfully and innocently, right? So that the opposite would be don't go thoughtless and manipulative, right? Go with a gentleness, a compassion, an intelligence. Let it flow out of the character of Jesus. There's also the mission here is called to be a mission among wolves. Jesus is telling us we will face hatred because of him. Talking about Jesus, talking about the gospel is going to create tension in people's lives. It's going to rub people the wrong way. It's not palatable, maybe, to modern sensibilities. And yet we need to tell others of the good news. So we should be wise in our approach. We should recognize offense will come, but not because we've been obnoxious or arrogant or abrasive, but because even as we've been a loving witness, people choose not to respond to who Jesus is. We may face difficulty, but Jesus says in this, in this passage here, we won't be alone. The Holy Spirit is with us in the midst of anxiety. And so what's neat is Jesus is really honest about the challenges we face. He promises to go with us and to encourage us and calls us ultimately to himself. And that's sort of the, the mark here is, is do we have a wholehearted devotion and allegiance to who Jesus is and trusting in his sovereignty. Um, I, we've got our bird feeders up outside and me and Rowan occasionally remember to go home and refill them. The birds are ravenous, so they just like eat all of it. And then we're like, oh, we've got to go back out. <laughs> it's kind of troublesome. And then the deer get in it. And it's just a mess. It's like <laughs> dried wilderness city, right? It's like there's deer right in my backyard all the time. Anyway, I was noticing the other day especially as the news about COVID-19 is going on, all of this. Here I'm looking out, I see my chickadees and the nuthatches and the sparrows just like go into town and reminded, you know, this passage brings it up in verse chapter 10, verse 29, about the sparrows and God's care 
for the seemingly insignificant things in life. And here I am going, those birds are perfectly happy. They're not worried about COVID-19. They're definitely not social distancing, right? They're all over it. And they're eating like crazy. They're okay. God's looking after them in the same way God's looking after me too. And God's looking after my family. And even if we were to get sick, and even if things were to go poorly, I can still trust in his goodness and in his grace. It's okay. He's got me. He's got us. And Jesus goes on here. So there's these moments all through this passage of it could be difficult. You're being sent out among wolves, but God's with you by his Holy Spirit. It might be challenging as you go to share the gospel, as you go to live out your Christian faith in your workplace, and people think you're weird because you're not swearing all the time, or you don't, you know, go along with the jokes that everyone else is going along with, or whatever. You want to, like, make ethical business decisions because you don't want to cheat about stuff, right? As you do that, there will be resistance, but it also gives you opportunity to invite people into the reason you have hope and the reason that you do things differently. And at the end of this section, in verse 38-39, Jesus uses this startling metaphor for what this kind of missional discipleship is. He talks about taking up a cross, right? Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there's this idea here that as we venture out with God in the Christian life, whatever that holds for us as we respond to his call, we respond to his choosing us and choose to bow the knee, choose to follow him. There will be times where it feels like dying, where it feels like giving up what we could have had, where it feels like dying to ourselves and our own self-interest and our own sort of sinful urges and desires. But in doing so, as we put that stuff aside and we pursue Christ, we actually find true life and true meaning and true family. I wanted to end with this. We are, we've heard it many times, we're in unprecedented times. I saw someone on Facebook said, this is unprecedented. How many times people are saying unprecedented? But we're still called, we're still called folks to love and to follow Jesus and to pray and to go in mission. And so how do we love our neighbors well during all this? How do we live out the missional call of Christ during COVID-19? I mean, the first thing is just be responsible. Don't forget people's humanity. You know, listen to, to what the government um, uh, recommendations are regarding this stuff to try and slow the spread of the virus and all that kind of thing. But remember to care for people. Recognize these are people. These are people who maybe are especially hurting during this time. There may be people in your family or people you're aware of who are, who are really afraid of what's going on in the world. And you have the opportunity to extend the hope you have in Jesus to them. Jesus tells us here that being a Christian is not always easy, but he encourages us with several things. He says we have nothing to be ashamed of, verses 26 and 27. He says we have nothing to fear because God's on our side, verses 28 to 31. He says if we die, Jesus is our advocate in heaven. So death even is not the end for us as Christians. We don't need to fear death. This is verse 32. He says, if our family abandons us, Jesus welcomes us into his family. Jesus himself had family members who kind of turned against him, didn't believe in him as he was following the will of God. And, and I've heard it said that actually the, some of the times the hardest people uh, to kind of engage with as we seek to follow Christ are our family members. They just don't understand what's going on. But God welcomes us into his family. 
Verse 39 says, whatever we do lose for Jesus' sake, there's a sense of restoration in the end. So whatever we face as we live out the Christian mission, there's a call here from God to faithfulness, to, to be steady and strong in that mission, but also to know God's got us and he will be faithful in the end, no matter what happens. He's in control. We can rest in him and trust in him. And he calls us not only to lean on Jesus, but to continue to extend grace and hope to the people around us. So my prayer for us today, for all of you watching, is that we choose to move, first of all, from brokenness, from our trying to satisfy the desires of our life on our own, and we move over to God's plan for us, God's purposes. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. And I invite you, if you've never made that choice, to move from brokenness and sin to God and to God's plan, I invite you to, to, to come to Jesus today. My prayer for us, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you've been following him for years, is that we would not forget that Jesus has a vision that leads to compassion, that leads to intercession, and then leads to action. And I pray that it would grow in us a love for people, that as we see people, maybe especially during this time, we see the brokenness in people's lives, that this would lead us to care well for others, lead us to come to God and ask, how can we help? How can we be present, Lord? How can we live out your life and your gospel during this time? And then call us to live it out and to do it.